you're here today. Um, my name is Eric Matoy. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor of the Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. If you're a guest, welcome. Uh, you came on a great Sunday to learn about who we are as a church, some of the things that we do. And so today is our annual uh, Kingdom Builders Offering Day. And so once a year, we say, what would it look like if we as a church said, whatever comes in that Sunday, we would just give away uh, to, to other organizations, people that are doing a great work around the world. Um, and so that's what you've come to today. And, and the reason it's great for your guests is because you're going to learn a little about who we are as a church and uh, some of the things that we're behind and support. And so we're, we're glad you're here. Uh, before we jump into the message, I want to say just, um, first of all, thank you to uh, each one of you who brought guests the last four weeks for our At The Movie series. Uh, we had record attendance, so we had the most people we've ever had um, on our, in our, during our At The Movie series, and it was great. So thank you guys for, for just bringing your friends and your family and your, your, your coworkers, things like that, people like that. And uh, we're just grateful that you're a part of that. Um, and now that we're back in uh, regular um, services, uh, we're able to look in the camera and say hello to all those that are tuning in on, on social media somehow uh, through a podcast or just thanks for tuning in, guys. We missed you. We hope you've missed us, and we're glad you're able to, to watch today's service. And everybody in the theater, we're glad you're here today. Thanks for coming. Um, I'm excited for today's message because um, once a year, we're able to to say, let's look back at the year, see what's happened, but then let's look forward, let's look at around and see what we can do, especially in this season. It's an important season that uh, we, we pay attention to um, just, just the needs around us. And so we're going to be talking about that. And so today for, uh, for our, our, our legacy, we're talking about legacy today, the, the message, but for our Kingdom Builders offering, um, one of the things that I've been telling you guys to do the last few weeks is pray about it, prepare for it, so you're not surprised. Um, and the reason is because Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 9.17 um, that each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, here's the thing. So today, we're going to be talking about this, this offering that we take once a year that's special. We don't do this all the time. Very rare. Uh, but when we do, we try to give you a heads up so you know, so you're prepared. You're not taken um, um, uh, off guard, caught off guard. And so we want you to, like, like Paul says, you, you should come ready to give, decided what you've already give that you're going to give. So you don't respond out of emotion um, or out of um, reluctance. You're like, you're not, you know, a Scrooge that doesn't want to give and let go. The Grinch, you, you want to be free with that, but, uh, but you're not pressured. And so today, as, as even as we prepare for it, if you didn't come prepared, hey, no pressure. Um, you can give later on online this week or even up to the end of the year. Uh, there's something, but I would just say, seek, pray and seek God. What would he have you give? Um, and, and then respond to that. And so don't respond to any pressure today at all. Um, in fact, you'll see at the end for your guest, we don't even, even expect you to participate in the offering. It's your, up to you. There's no obligation for you to participate if you want to. But what, what we do as a church, we say, what would it look like is if we structured our church to, to look for the, the needs around our community and around our world that we can begin to address. Dress and, and help um, on this journey. One of the things I love about Convo Hope, they talked about it, is uh, we, we've, we've seen them in action, um, and they do a great job, and we'll talk about how we've partnered with them over the years, and it's, it's great. Um, but today, um, what I want to talk about really in the message is, is legacy. Um, I want to talk about what, what, what is your legacy going to be? Um, this last week, uh, we had a, a great example of legacy, right? So if you drive around and you see businesses that have the flags, they're, they're half-masked still because uh, former President H.W. Um, Bush, he was, uh, they had the services for him and the funeral for him. And this last week, I happened to catch uh, when his son, uh, George W. Bush, President, former President George W. Bush, was, was eulogizing him. He was giving him, reading the eulogy, talking about his dad. Uh, and it was an incredible, incredible um, um, stories. Uh, what I loved about it is, is uh, he told jokes about his dad. He told jokes to the, to the audience. They laughed. At the end, he cried. Um, it was just good. And as I was watching that, I was thinking, man, when, when my kids talk about me at my funeral, I hope there's a lot of that. 
I hope there's laughter uh, because I was life-giving and there was, they were able to see that uh, there was joy in life and there was a, a life well lived. And that there, of course, will be sadness and tears. That's part of it. Uh, but I was just thinking, what is my legacy going to be? What, what, what is my legacy going to be? What's your legacy going to be? Um, here's, here's the definition for legacy. It will be, when we talk about legacy, this is what I mean. What people remember once you're gone. It's what you leave behind, but it's, it's also what they say about you. A legacy is what people remember once you're gone. Uh, in fact, when I was 20 years old, I remember someone recommended a book to me. It's called uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And I picked up the book, and I began to read it. And one of the habits, one of the practices that he teaches is you, that the effective people, they start with the end in mind. The reason they're effective is because they understand where they're trying to get to, and then they, they build their life accordingly. They build a plan to get there. Um, and people that do that, they're more likely to hit the target they're aiming at because they actually have a target. They actually reach a destination because they have a destination. And in, in this chapter, in this book, one of the things he challenged us to do, do this exercise. He says, just imagine uh, you are standing around at your funeral with all of the people. Like you're dead, but you just happen to be able to eavesdrops and listen in on what they say. And at the, at the funeral, there's the people that, that knew you well. There's people that, that, you know, that knew you in life. What are they going to say about you? And he says, go through this exercise and write out what you hope, you know, your wife would say, what you hope your kids would say, your husband, whoever it is, and be in a walk, practice this out. Like, what would it look like and what are they going to say about you? And I remember at 20 years old, I was reading this, I was thinking, wow, this is such a, um, a scary pra- practice or exercise. But in the same way, it's very healthy because um, why not live in such a way that when I get down there, they're actually going to say the things that I was hoping they're going to say. Not, not by default or just living life that I don't care about others, but what would they say? Um, because death reminds us of life and the importance of life and the importance of us living every day with purpose and intentionality so that we can live long. Um, so I guess with me, what are people going to say about you? Just imagine with me for a second. What are they going to say about you? You know, what, what, um, what jokes are they going to tell? What are they gonna, are there going to be any jokes? Is there going to be people that are happy you're gone? Are there going to be people you are sad you're gone? Um, what, what's going to take place in this? Um, and the reason I, I say this is because um, it's important that we think down that way because this is the legacy you're going to live. Essentially, they're going to boil our lives down just a few words, a few sentences. Um, and it'll be in passing. You know, at some point, be like, yeah, remember Eric? Yeah, that guy was. They fill in the blank. That's awesome. All right, hey, can you pass me the salt? All right? And it moves on because that's going to be your life. The summary of your life is your legacy of what you leave behind. What are they going to say about you? Uh, my hope is that um, as I live my life, that the, the things that I hope they'll say about me will be come true because I live in such a way that that happens. Um, when... Uh, let, me, let me show you what legacy, the Bible talks about legacy and why it's important for us to live in such a way that we leave a good legacy uh, behind us. So Psalms uh, 112 says this, 5 through 6, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. So those that are generous, those that are open-handed with life, um, they, they, good's going to come to them because they're, they're conducting their affairs with justice. Right, so they're living in such a way that they're aware of others around them. They're living in such a way that they're, they're realizing their life is having an impact. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. So it's not that the righteous don't have any problems. It just means they'll never, they'll be shaking that happens. There'll be challenges that come because that's part of life. The Bible is very clear in that. We'll go through challenges and difficulties. And that's not a bad thing. Um, that, that sometimes strength, a lot of times strengthens us. But those that are righteous, they will never be shaken so bad that, that they fall apart. They'll, they'll actually be remembered forever because of the life they live. And that's, that's what legacy is. What, what, what's said about us and what people remember about, remember about us when we're gone. Uh, there's a missionary named Jim Elliott who gave everything he could give, including his life, uh, to try to reach a tribe um, in, in Central America um, with, with, with the, the message of Jesus Christ. And, and he went, and uh, essentially his, his, they made a move about him, great, great movie. Um, and uh, this is what he said. Jim Elliott says this. He is no fool 
who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He, she, is no fool who gives what they cannot keep to gain that which, cannot, which they cannot lose. What he was saying is, I want to live in such a way that my life outlives me, that, that, that I put everything in God's court, that, that it lives beyond me. And in fact, it goes even, even more than that. He, that, that person is no fool because I realize that life is, it goes on. It's bigger than that. Martin Luther said like this, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that, those things I still possess. What have you been with your life? Are you holding on to things? Or are you learning to, to trust God and say, I'm going to give the things that you bless me with? And, and here's the thing. Uh, we'll be talking about money and, and finances. That, that's part of this. But what are you doing with your time? That is the most valuable resource you have. That is the one thing that, 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 that matters more and costs more than, uh, than anything else. Uh, what are you doing with your time? Are, are you holding on to it? Are you, are you being generous with it? Are you using it for good? Um, one of the reasons that even as we talk about, about giving and finances, um, it's important. The Bible instructs us to do this because it, it's encouraging us and challenging us to live in such a way that, that the, the word that they use is stewardship, that we're stewarding whatever's in our, in our possession at the time, whatever we're, we're called to manage, whatever God's put in our hand, the talents, uh, the resources that are there, the relationships. And in 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, who is a, a, a pastor in training. And so it's, it's his disciple. It's, it's who he's pouring into. And Paul is telling Timothy as the pastor, hey, T- Pastor Timothy, make sure you do these things. And so it's almost when I read this book, it's like God's talking to me because as, as a leader of a church, as a pastor of a church, this is what I'm being commanded to teach and how I should live my life. And he's instructing Timothy, this is how leaders should, should conduct their life. And he says this, Timothy, Pastor Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant in order to put their, their, their hope and wealth. So the first part, those who are rich in this present world. A lot of us in this room, some of us would actually say, I'm actually not rich in this world, so it's not talking to me. Um, if, if you used the bathroom day and flushed the toilet, you're rich in world standards, in our world standards. Maybe not American standards, but in the world standards. If you had clean water and you, you turned a, a, a faucet on and water came out, like you're rich. Like That, that doesn't happen everywhere in the world. Uh, those that are not rich don't have those. And, and so he's saying, command those who are rich in this present world. Um, and then beyond that, what resources do you have? What, what, what's been put in your hand, inside of your hand, the talents, the gifts, the things that you have? Be rich in those things, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, so not to be arrogant or put their hope in the wrong things, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So God is not opposed to giving us things and blessing those things. That's not the issue. The issue is when those things actually possess us. So, so he puts in our hands, and all of a sudden we say, this is mine, I'm not going to let go of it. That's when it's an issue. But whenever there's things that come our way and we're willing to share it, there's never, never an issue there. And you have actually give more of it. It's kind of like, I think of like turning the faucet on, right? Everyone wants God's blessings. They want God to lead. They want God to help. But they're so reluctant to turn that faucet on. And, 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 and part of it is being generous with our lives. It's like you, when you're generous with your time, with your resources, um, with, your, with your compliments, with your attitude, all those things, it's like you turn the faucet on in your life, and you allow God to actually flow through you. And to be, to be used. But too many people say, no, I'm, I'm going to turn that off. He goes on and says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Notice he's saying, use your life. Live in such a way that, you, that you're doing good. In fact, that you're, you're rich in good deeds. Do people say that about you? And that person is rich in good deeds. Like they're always doing good everywhere they go. That would be a person that's good in rich deeds. Everywhere they go, there's, there's, there's an impact. They add value. People, when you walk in the room, people think, man, I'm glad that person's in the room. Why? Because you're rich in good deeds. You're doing good. You're adding value. He says, be generous, willing to share. And this is why. 
In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So what is he saying? Timothy, don't get so focused on earth that you forget there's something greater. There's eternity. There's, some, there's heaven. There's more to this than just this story. And this is part of why the Bible is always saying, be careful how you manage things. Because if you only manage for now, you will get stuck thinking in a small way that it's only about here and you miss out. But if you think of God and say, what are the things you want me to do with my life? You actually store for yourself treasures in heaven, which is a firm foundation for the coming age. Notice what he says. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, our problem, a lot of us as Americans, is we've taken hold of the American life and the American dream. And we're holding on like this more and more. I want more. I need more. And we miss out on the life God has for us because we're trying to hold on just the little that we can. And really, honestly, no matter how much you get on this earth, it's still little compared to God. No matter how much you have. And so, so he's saying that but they would rather let go of those things and say, I'm going to trust you. You put in my hands what you want to put in my hands. I'll, I'll be that vessel that flows, that, that conduit that, that, that goes through. But you, I'll do what you want me to do. And those people are actually going to take hold of the life that really is life. And Paul and Paul's saying, Timothy, make sure you teach, teach the people in the churches. They don't miss this. Because when they miss this, they only make it about here and now. And they forget about what God is trying to do in their lives. So here's the challenge for us. Um, at a very young age, we begin to see advertisements. We begin to see these messages over and over and over. In fact, marketers, they have a strategy. And it's, it's called the WIFM strategy. Right? And WIFM, what it stands for is, what's in it for me? Uh, this is what they're trying to do. When you say commercial, essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to hijack our brain to get us to, to realize there's something in this for me. And if they can answer the question, what's in it for me, we're more likely to buy that product or to, do, to want that product. And so that every, every commercial, every advertisement, you get this over and over, this, this, this idea of what's in it for me. Oh, that's, that's in it for me. It's going to make me uh, look better. It's going to make my smile prettier. It's going to make me more attractive. It's going to make me popular. It's going to get me more of fill in the blank. And they sell this to us to get us to want more. But the problem is, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? The common factor there is me. It's all about me. And what the Bible says when somebody is only focused on me, it's called selfishness. It's called, um, uh, which is uh, attached to pride, where, where we think everything revolves around us and it's only about me. What's in it for me? And what's in it for me? And the challenge is, is as, as, as uh, Americans especially, we hear this message over and over and over that sometimes that translates into other things. And we begin to filter our whole life through this grid of what's in it for me. And then when we get married, we have, we have relationships. We're always thinking what's in it for me, what's in it for me. And then as soon as that relationship is not all about me, then we want to move on to the next thing. And that's where it becomes dangerous is we begin to filter things through saying, okay, if it's not pleasing me and making me happy, then I'm going to move on to the next thing. And that is not what the Bible teaches us to live as, as, as a life that's, that's what we should live. But rather, even when it's hard, like you have a clear understanding of, of why you're living the way you are. In fact, one of the strategies for what's in it for me with marketers is to create a discontent in us. So you see the nice car and you look at your car and you're thinking, wow, that guy's a lot happier in that car. I should want that car. Like, yeah, your phone was, is pretty cool, but it's two years old. Like you're, you're outdated. You're not good enough anymore. And, and what happens is that they create a discontent in our life where we think we won't be satisfied until we have that thing. And here's, here's the challenge is, is, is the, the, when we buy into this idea, it's kind of like we get on this ladder and we start climbing this ladder. And this is what the ladder looks like. We want more. And then as soon as we get more, we want better. All right, that's nice. We have a lot of these things, but now I need better than this. And then eventually it becomes different. So first we just want more of whatever we have. So we want more of that. And then that's not good enough. So now we want better of what we have. So we got to upgrade and go to the next 
size and whatever it is, uh, of, of whatever that is. And then eventually that's not enough. We've got to be different. So it's got to be rare and unique so that we stand out. So people think, wow, that person is really important because they have something really unique. And that is the strategy when it comes to um, what we buy into a lot of times is more, better, different. More, better, different. More, better, different. And people go through life going from relationship to relationship because they're looking for that, buying one thing after the other thing, getting into more debt. Because we buy into this, this idea that eventually if we keep climbing, we're going to get to this place that we're satisfied. But here's what the Bible says. When we only try to satisfy our own uh, desires, it's never satisfied. Like there are appetites in your life that you can have everything you want and you'll still never be dissatisfied. You'll, you'll always be dissatisfied. You'll never find the satisfa- satisfaction in it. In fact, um, when you're on this ladder, it only leads to despair because as soon as you think you're there, you realize there's more, there's better, and there's still different out there. And you're, you're, you're discouraged and it leads to despair because you can never get there. In fact, um, Solomon in the Old Testament, if you read Ecclesiastes, it's a pretty uh, sad book. He's talking about his sum, summary of life. And he was in this cycle of wanting more, better, and different. And what did he find? It never satisfied because he always wanted more and better and different, no matter how much he had of whatever he had. And he had everything. Like he had everything you could possibly want. And eventually he says, you know, you, you have to live. You're on the wrong ladder. And I think what happens a lot of times we begin to climb the wrong ladder to realize we've been on the wrong ladder the whole time. And the people that get on the wrong ladder and live on the wrong ladder their whole life, their legacy is, wow, they were on the wrong ladder. And we look back, and they, there's not a lot of kind things to say about those people because they were on the wrong ladder. I don't want to be the kind of person that's on the wrong ladder. I want to be on the right ladder. And so Paul says instruct them to be generous, right, to be, to be um, kind, uh, to, to use their lives, to be rich in good deeds, and to be willing to share so that you begin to, do, to live in a different way. So here's the thing when it comes to legacy, and this is my hope for you, is, is I want the people who know me the best to love me the most. I want those who know me the best to be able to say, man, I love that person so much because they were consistent, because they understood life was not just about them. See, we have the tendency to care about those that don't know us the best more and ignore the ones that know us the best. But that always creates a negative legacy because we're, we're focused on, on those that, that shouldn't matter to us. In fact, one of the best advice I got when I was young, when we first married, is um, one of the mentors, he told me, he said, Eric, don't ever forget who's going to go on the, uh, with you onto the next step of the journey. Like the next step of life, stage of life, whatever that is, don't ever forget those people and don't neglect them. Because if you do everything for everybody else, but you forget about your wife and your kids, when you go on to the next step, they're going to resent you. They're not going to be happy with you because you did everything for everybody else, but you forgot about those who were closest to you. Don't be that kind of person. Not that I was wise. I said, man, I, I want to live in such a way that I don't forget that. I don't neglect what's most important. And so I say no to a lot of good things because there's something better that I can say yes to. It's, it's trying to live a legacy of I want those who know me the best um, to, to say the, the, the greatest things about me, to love me the most. Uh, but sadly, a lot of people don't live this way. Uh, they, they care about uh, other things. And um, um, it's, like, it's like Dave Ramsey says, we, we as Americans, we, we borrow money that we don't have to buy things that we can't afford to impress people that we don't even like, right? I think it's a great statement he makes. Like we're, that's, that's a big part of our, the challenge we have because we want to impress others. We want to put on the show. We want to make, make it look like we have it all together. But the truth is you care more about the bigger picture, not just the immediate picture. Don't just think about just now, but what is, what's greater? Because um, here's, here's the thing. Uh, in life, when we begin to focus on the wrong thing, really what happens is um, we lose our way. And the reason is because we lose our why. Uh, when you lose your why, you always lose your way. If you look back at 2018, if you have not accomplished all the goals that you wanted, if you're not the person that you're hoping to be this year, most likely you're off course because you forgot why you're wanting to do those things. You forget your why. In marriage, as soon as I forget the why I'm married, 
and I begin to make it what's in it for me, and I begin to make it about other something else, yeah, I get off course, and it, it gets, gets unhealthy. But if I remember the why I married in the first place, and, and what are those things that are, that are positive and good, then it helps marriage stay healthy. In life, when you forget your why, you always drift. In fact, people left to themselves, they always make it about themselves. Like, if you're only going to go after what's easy and what's comfortable and what feels good, like... You might live a life that you enjoy, but at the end of it, you're going to look back and say, I left no legacy. Why? Because nobody celebrates people that took it easy and just did something for just themselves. That was selfishness. We don't celebrate those people. We forget those people. But those who say, I'm willing to use my life for good, even if it costs me my life, we celebrate those people. Why? Because they got it. This is how God made us as, 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 on, this, on this journey, on this story, that we're made for something larger, something bigger. So my, my challenge as we talk to this is to find your why. If you don't have a clear why, you need to define your why. And I would say 2019, make sure you have a really, really clear, strong why when it comes to marriage, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to your work, um, all those things when it comes to finances. Like figure that out. And, and if you don't, let us help you. Like I would say this, uh, 2019, just give us a year. Give us a year as a church to encourage you and help you on this journey. What I mean by that is just go all in and say, God, I'm going to give you 2019. I'm going to say yes to everything you put in front of me. So if it's small groups, you get plugged into small group. Sundays, you make Sundays a priority. That You'd come and say, all right, God, I want to start my week off by, by learning something, being challenged by you so I can become the best me that I could possibly become. And then when small groups happen, get in a small group. If you've never been through growth track, go through growth track. It happens every single month. 301 is where we begin to discover purpose and like your giftings and how you're wired. It's a, it's a step in the journey to discover who you are and how God made you. Because here's, here's what I believe. Every single one of us has a call and a unique call that God has for us to accomplish on this earth. And if you're willing to, to discover it, you'll find fulfillment in life. Because my journey is a little different than your journey. There'll be some similarities, but it's different. And the things he wants me to accomplish are going to be different than yours. And the people he wants me to impact might be slightly different than yours. You need to figure that out for yourself. And I would say just, just make, make, make it a goal for 2019 to say, I'm all in. I'm going to give a, a year of just saying, I'm yes to everything that you want, God. I'm going to do that. Get on team and serve. Look for opportunities to do that. I, I would encourage that. So as, as we go into um, our, our, legacy, our, our Kingdom Builders offering and talk about legacy, um, this year we set a pretty big goal to help some different organizations out there that are doing a lot of good. And I love the organizations we're already supporting. And here's what's really cool. If we didn't even have this offering today, like what we've done up to this point is still pretty significant. Like we've done good, church. We've done good. And, and the year's not over. But what would it look like if we all said, hey, together, let's do a little bit more? What would that look like if we all said, hey, I can give towards this. I can, I can, I can pray for this. I can encourage this. I can do something about this. So I'm going to have some websites behind me that are going to be scrolling through. Um, you can... On our website, Kingdom Builders, you can the, the link there. You can see more the links to these websites. Um, but one of the one of the organizations that we help we help every year is Convoy of Hope. Um, this year, almost every major disaster, they send me an email saying, "Here's some of the needs. Here's the things we're doing. Would your church be, be able to help us to, to take care of these things?" And almost every nat, nat, uh, major national disaster and international some of the international ones, um, we as a church said, "Hey, we'll do our, we'll do something." Like we can't do a ton at this moment, this month maybe, but we'll do we'll do what we can. And every month we've been able to send that. In fact, one of the things we do every year, which is pretty significant, is bike for light. Uh, we spend a week, uh, really, it's it's like three months of training and, and all that, getting ready for it. But it's a week of riding, 500 miles across the state. Um, and this last year, our riders, which is pretty awesome, uh, the whole team from all the riders from New Mexico and even some from other states, uh, rose uh, were able to raise. Um, $87,795. So almost, almost $90,000 were raised this year for Bike for Light. Pretty awesome. And the, the Santa Fe riders and the, the riders from here, were part of that was, was $28,525 that we raised. 
And we bought Convoy Hope a vehicle. Every year we try to buy them a vehicle to help them accomplish what they're doing. They're bringing hope to those that need it the most. One of the um, uh, disaster reliefs, one of their, their um, initiatives is Feed One. And last year uh, I put it in front of us to say, hey, what would it look like if we fed? And, and Haiti is, is the poorest um, country in the Western Hemisphere. So this is the poorest of the poor on our side of the, of the, of the globe. And so we said, what would it look like if we took care of the poorest of the poor? And so last year I said, well, what, what, what could we do? For $10 a month, you can sponsor a child to get food, get fed so he can, they can stay in school. Because um, a lot of times they don't go to school because they don't have food. So they have to go work or go look for food, and they don't get school and education. So we said, let's give them a reason to be at school. And so a lot of us in, this, in, in, the, in our church said, I'm, I'm willing to sponsor a couple of kids, one or two or three or more. And, and last year, 100 of us, uh, we sponsored 100 kids as a church, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's so good, right? We can celebrate that. And then last, last couple months ago, I challenged again, hey, can we, can maybe some of us that haven't done this yet, would you consider doing it? And we bumped that number up to 148 kids. So currently our church is helping 148 kids in Haiti make sure they break this, the, poverty, the, the cycle of poverty in their life. That's awesome. So that, that's feed one. Another organization that we help is, is uh, um, City of Refuge uh, in Ghana, West Africa. Um, I have a friend I did ministry with. They, her and her husband moved there to, to start a ministry where they, they rescue uh, kids from, from slavery. Um, they empower women, teach them moms who are you know, single moms and, and ladies to, to do business so they can break that in their family, their life, poverty in the, in the, in the, in the cycle in their family. And so they, they're just incredible ministries. So every year we've supported them and helped them in some, some measure. And so that's one of our goals this year. We want to help them. Uh, we want to help uh, continue to do Feed One. We help Convoy of Hope. We want to look for these different opportunities to help more of them. So you can see some of their Instagram, you know, the pages, some of the pictures that are there. Um, and then this last year, I loved it. I had the privilege of going to India. I've always wanted to go. I've always had a heart for India. So I went to, to Calcutta. So one of the poorest um, cities in, in the world. And so some, some of the poorest of the poor we, 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 we saw and ministered to and, and, and learned about this ministry called uh, uh, Calcutta Mercy. Uh, it's been around for 60 years. A couple of missionaries from the U.S. went over there uh, a little over 60 years ago and began to give their lives just to minister to the poorest of the poor. Alongside Mother Teresa, they worked together to do some great, incredible things there. Um, started a hospital, feeding programs. Uh, they rescue women from the red light district. All these, these amazing things. Um, uh, when we went, uh, they, they currently feed 10,000 people a day. They used to feed 25,000 people a day, uh, if you can imagine that. And I imagine t- trying to prepare food for 25,000 people. Um, and they grew it from 25,000 down to 10,000. And the reason I say grew it is because what they do is the first time you come, they give food to everybody that wants it. Second time, they want to know about you. So they, they, go, they take somebody to go survey your house, uh, the family. What is the real needs here? And then who's, who has what giftings and their you know, the job experiences, things like that. And they get these people placed in jobs. And so from 25,000, they helped find 15,000 of those people jobs so they can begin to provide for themselves. And so now they grew it down to 10,000 where they're feeding 10,000. And that continues always to be there, but they always continue to get people into jobs so they can provide for themselves. Organizations like that, I always want to get behind because it's not about just the immediate now, let's give them something. But it's, hey, what can we do for the future? How can we, how can we build for something greater? Uh, feed ones like that. When we went to Haiti, um, 80% of the food they feed the kids comes from outside, but they started uh, initiatives for farming, and majority of the, of the farmers are women. So they, they give women these microloans, teach them how to farm, and then they just say, hey, make us a commitment. You would give 10% back to the, to the feeding programs. You'd keep 10% for future for, to, to plant more, and then you sell the other 80 And they're teaching these business principles, right, biblical business principles. And uh, it's incredible to see how they, they're breaking 
that they're looking long term. It's not just here's some food now, but it's hey, how can we change everything? Like he said, you go now in these places that were, were, were barren now have farms and, and agriculture happening because they're saying, what can we do to change this cycle? How can we do something different? You can see some of the pictures there of uh, Calcutta Mercy, some of the kids that they empower, uh, impact, and uh, they sponsor kids. They, um, uh, the hospital serves 100,000 people every year. It's just incredible. Um, for us, um, I think you have that picture. Uh, we, 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 you were represented this last year. The Grove went there, um, and it was a privilege for me to represent us. Like We walked the streets because uh, when it's us, when it's any of us, it's all of us. And because of your generosity, because of our heart, we're there feeding the poor. Um, and we'll continue to do that. We'll look for opportunities. How can we reach those that are so far from God? Um, and what can we do to, to, to partner with those? Let me, let me uh, show you a video uh, about Calcutta Mercy, and I'll come back up. Today are living productive, fruitful lives, helping to extend the kingdom of God, whose journey began as a sponsored child in one of our schools, whose journey began receiving Christ in one of our services, and today are impacting the world for Jesus. Where many people only see obstacles and hurdles, and sure, there is opposition. Uh, everywhere we go, we find opportunity. And so as I look across our city, I want to say yes. Not only mercy can save our city, there is no hope for our city apart from the mercy of God. So we walked those streets this last year, and we were doing something, and we're continuing to do something there. Um, one of the things that's it's very obvious and easy to see the the financial poverty in the in that city, but here's the truth: in our own city, there's just as much poverty. Maybe not financial poverty, but emotional, relational, spiritual. There's people all around us. We have to figure out ways. How can we do this? One of the reasons we structure our church to say what would it look like if we were intentional about uh, creating an environment, creating a service that would welcome those that have no church background, that are unchurched, that maybe be gone for a long time, and help them get on this journey where they begin to embrace God and his son and, and his teachings. So we look for those ways. So there's a couple of different um, points of, of what we call points of passion, areas that we look to focus on. So our local mission, ministry partnerships. We're always looking for in our, our first priority and responsibility as a home, right? So those in our church, those in our community. So what do we do? what do we do to look for that? One of the things that I've been working hard the last four or five years is building relationships with other pastors and other churches so that when the time comes where we can really have an impact in our city, we'll be able to do it together. But then as individuals, as churches, what can we do as a community? How can we work together to do these things? Uh, one of the things that I, I love um, over the years, different families in our church uh, during Christmas time, they, they go look for opportunities to serve the poor in our city. So the homeless, they take out uh, food and Bibles, things like that. Um, and this year we have some other, other families that came and uh, a, young, um, uh, a new, new family that is really excited about doing something. And so the, the, 
next two Saturdays from now, the 22nd, they're going to go take out uh, some some coats and some blankets and uh, some some different things like that to help uh, the poor in our city. And so um, I'll open up to all of us. If, if that's something that, that, that you'd want to do in, in our city, do something, um, this would be a great thing. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have the money to do that. Maybe you have an extra jacket in your in your house. Maybe donate that. Uh, maybe you look for different ways. I think at Walmart, two fifty, two two dollars fifty cents. There's some some nice blankets, uh, fleece blankets that would that would go a long way. Uh, just different ways that we can look for opportunities. So if you're interested in that, just do me a favor. Sometime today, fill out the card and just put your name at the bottom. Put a note saying I would love to be a part of of, of reaching the poor in Santa Fe on on the 22nd, and we'll connect you to the to the the families that are doing that that outreach, so you can have more information about it and be a part of that if you'd like. Uh, but it can be hats and and and, and um, Gloves and hats, uh, jackets and blankets, things like that are, are most needed. And so uh, if that's something that you want to be part of, that would be great. Uh, today, part of the offering, we're going to make sure we give them enough resources to accomplish what the, the families that want to accomplish have. So we'll give part of it to, of the offering to that also, to, to feed the poor in our city. We're looking for just ways. What can we, what can we do locally? Uh, how can we encourage others? How, what relationships can we build? What, can, what networks can we begin to establish so we can have an impact together as, as a church and, and beyond? Uh, next thing is from local, we go to national. So that would be like our state and our, our country. So when it comes to church planning, the ARC, Church Multiplication Network, New Mexico Ministry Network, these are all networks that we're part of helping plant churches. So last year, we, uh, Sincere and myself went to, we were able to coach some different couples around our nation who are planting churches. And so as a church, we're having an impact helping start other churches. We give financially, but we also give our time, uh, behind-the-scenes things that we're encouraging and helping them to do that, uh, looking at help, helping strengthen churches in our, in our state, uh, in our city, in our state, um, in, in that. So it's been great uh, uh, through like, things like Bike for Light. We do things just to raise and, and, and get more support going. Uh, one of the things with church planning that, that I love is we meet couples who are willing to leave everything to go sacrifice. And uh, this last year, we met a couple at one of the, the training events that we were coaching at. They weren't in our with us to coaching, but they're planning in Colorado Springs this next year uh, in January uh, of this of, of 2019. And so we met them a year ago, and uh, we made that connection. And this last uh, uh, fall, the end of the fall, we went to a conference, and they were there also. And so as a church, um, we always look for opportunities to pour into and bless to resource. And so um, we met with them and said, hey, can we take you guys to dinner? And so as a church, we took this couple to dinner. Our church took them and, and, and just blessed them and said, we'll look for ways to pour into you, to encourage you. And over dinner, as we're, we're investing in them and blessing them, um, a conversation came up with that their daughter, who's 12, um, um, is struggling with the move. So they left Oklahoma to go to Colorado. Uh, she's leaving all her friends and uh, a church that they've, they've been at for a long time is doing really well to go start something that's not there. And so they just said, our daughter, pray for our daughter. She's having a really hard time. And so in the conversation, we we're talking about things and food and restaurants. And, and somehow they said, our daughter loves Taco Bell. Like that is her favorite restaurant. She, she, Taco Bell like put a smile on her face. And so we at home and we we're praying for their daughter. And, and Sincere and I were talking and said, what can our church do to, to encourage them? So why don't we send them a, a gift card? And so um, I sent a book to a lot of the church planners that, that, that I've learned a lot from. And I encouraged them with some words. But we sent a card to her. And we, we said, uh, Haley, here's a, here's, a, um, here's a gift card to talk about for you. And we just encourage to thank you for moving from Oklahoma to Colorado to help people know Christ. Thank you for starting a church. Like she's just as much a part of that church planning team as, as anybody else. And so we just sent her this card and said, you don't, have to, you don't have to share with your parents if you don't want to. I'm sure they'd appreciate it, but just enjoy it. And, and they, the, the family got back. Uh, they, the, they came in the mail. They were gone fundraising and do some things to start the church. And she said her daughter was just discouraged. Like all the things, the pressure there, just, just bring her down, new school, all that stuff. And they got home and they got in the mail and there's this card for Haley. And they, she opened it up and, and she said her daughter, it just it changed her week and her day. 
And she, it was, she just said, thank you. So the church, thank you. That, that's the kind of impact we have when we're saying, what can we do? What little can we do? Sometimes it's very little, but it's something, right? We just do something. And so we look for those opportunities. Um, international mi- missions, we have to look for opportunities to reach, reach people, Jewish people in Israel, uh, Haiti. If we feed one, we've been working with them for the last couple of years, and, man, we'll keep doing that. India, how can we help Calcutta Mercy? What can we do there? I mean, it takes, I think it's 25 cents to feed that person that day. That's all it takes. 25 cents would feed that one person. Now they've broken it down. So almost $100, you'd feed a person in one year for a little under $100. How can we partner with them to do those things in India, Africa? How can we rescue more people from slavery? How can we sponsor these kids that are in their school, their leadership programs, things like that? Um, um, we have a, well, we have these cards that we give out every year, Acts of Kindness, and we don't have them right now available. But what, what, we, what we do have is our, um, our invitations to our services. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were at, at lunch, um, and the waiter um, had a table next to us who – uh, a family that goes to a different church in our city, and uh, he, he, when they left, they didn't leave him a tip. And so he's really bugged. He came. He kind of vented with us and kind of poured out his heart. And uh, he said, yeah, that, that family didn't give. And he, I don't like serving on Sundays sometimes because people are kind of stingy. And he said, what's well, really a bummer, is he, or not a bummer, but for me it was a bummer. He says, yeah, and they invited me to their church. And I'm thinking, why would you invite somebody to your church and not leave a tip, right? So, hey, if you're going to invite somebody and you don't leave a tip, like don't invite them to the Grove, okay? Like don't say you're with the Grove. That's not even cool. Like, that's their livelihood, right? And so if you're going to go invite somebody to the Grove, like, make sure you leave a wonkin' tip, right? You know, like, one of those tips, like, it's like, you know, 20, 30, 50%. Like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like you're going to bless somebody, bless them, and do it in a way that's going to that's gonna do great. But maybe buying somebody coffee, uh, whatever. Look for different ways that you can do an act of kindness, something simple. And most importantly, don't neglect smiling and hugging and listening to somebody. Those are free and those could be some of the most valuable things you could do to somebody. Just saying, I see you. I recognize that you're there. Man, I, 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 I'm I, empathizing with you right now. I, I get that. I, I'm, man, I'm here. Like that's Everybody can do that. Smile a little more. Pick your head up. Look around. See people in the eyes. But just look for ways to serve. Um, so here's my question that I started in the beginning is, what are people going to say about you? What are people going to say about you in your funeral? What's your legacy going to be? What are they going to talk about? See, the, the exercise I challenged in the beginning is imagining those closest to you talking about you. What are they going to say? See, people with an awareness of what they're leaving, that they're leaving a legacy and what they're leaving behind, they tend to think through their decisions more carefully because they realize they're gonna, there's going to be a destination at some point. And they discipline their life to try to fulfill that vision. Um, live in such a way that you hear everything that you hope to live. Here's my challenge. Choose what you want others to say about you after you're gone. Like, choose that. What is your wife going to say? What is your spouse going to say? What is your kids going to say? And then live in such a way that that becomes a reality. One of my favorite stories about Walt Disney World, uh, Disney World, oh, no, uh, Disney, yeah, Disney World, is uh, the grand opening day opens up. Walt Disney, he died before uh, Disney World was open. And, and some of the people, the team there, they said, man, I wish Walt would have seen this. He would have really liked this. And somebody said, what are you talking about? Like, Walt saw all of this before any of us saw it. Like, this was his imagination. This was his dream. Like, we're actually just finally seeing it after years Walt's seen it. And the whole idea was his, he, he saw what nobody else saw before everybody else saw it. And then he planned accordingly. So, yeah, he might not have seen the physical there, but he understood everything that he built his life for. And he left something great there, right? That idea in your life, what are you envisioning? What are you planning to? What are you working towards? And then live in such a way, discipline your life in such a way that that becomes a reality. So I know some of you in this room, one of the things you'll be thinking is, well, that sounds great. You know, if you have a lot of time and if you've done, you have more time, more life, man, I'm, it's a little late for me. Like, I've lived a long life and, man, I'm, I'm, I've been on the wrong track for a long time. Here's what I would say. It's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to get back on track. 
In fact, here's what I know about people. People celebrate progress. People celebrate progress. You could have been the worst, but that moment where there's a change, you say, okay, you've been so selfish your whole life, but now there's this change. Like, people notice. Like, in fact, at the funeral, they might even say, like, man, my whatever, dad, brother, whatever, like, man, he was a jerk. But there was this point in his life that he changed. And I remember from that point on, like, yeah, jerk. And then, wow, this guy was rich in good deeds. Like, there was something different about this person. It's never too late to change. See, yesterday we, we had to fly from uh, Alabama to, to Santa Fe, and uh, they, they took us through Chicago. You know, if you're trying to get to Santa Fe from Alabama, I don't think anybody should go to Chicago, right? It's like the wrong direction. But many of us live life like that. Like, we, we want to be over there, but we keep finding ourselves over here. But it's never too late to get back. And wherever you're at, it's never too late to correct that, that course and get back on, on track. See, the great thing I'm so thankful is that, yeah, we, we made it to Chicago, but that wasn't our end destination. We eventually made it to Santa Fe. It would have been a whole lot easier just to fly directly to Santa Fe, but we eventually made it. So maybe you're not flying directly there right now or haven't been. It's never too late. Why don't you change course and go that way? In fact, the Bible calls it repentance. See, when we're off course, the Bible says repentance is saying, God, I'm off course. I need your help. I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to stop going my wrong direction, and I'm going to go the right direction. And when we do that, God says, man, I, I can work with that. You're finally willing to acknowledge and admit that you're, you've been going off track. So come back home. So today, it would be my honor to be able to lead those in this room that say, I'm off track. Man, my legacy would not be very good, but I want to change that. And today, you would be willing to admit that, that you need God and that you're far from God, that you can't do it without his help. So being a Christ follower is saying, I'm going to follow Christ's lead. So if that's you today, do me a favor. Everybody, would you close your eyes and bow your head? If that's you today and you're here and you would say, Man, I cannot do without God. I'm off track. I'm off course. And I need to get back on course. I need, I need to get to that place where I leave a great legacy. That, that I would leave a legacy that God would be proud of. If that's you today, um, I would love to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to have you come to the front. Just lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. But if you're here today and that's you, would you do me a favor and just lift your hand and let me know you're here? Say, that's me. I need it. Wow, awesome. There's quite a few hands. Anybody else? Today? Commit my life. I give my life, God, to you. I want to get on track. Awesome. If you raise your hand, um, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you're a Christ follower in this room, would you join in praying with us so they're not praying alone? And essentially this prayer is just an invitation of relationship saying, God, forgive me of my past. God, I'm going to do you turn right now, and I'm going to come back to you. And then we're going to ask God, help me to leave a legacy that you'd be proud of. So pray this prayer with me. If you raise your hand, say this. Say, Father God, today... Come on, if you're a Christian, join in praying with them. So they're praying. They have some people joining when praying with them. Say this. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need your help. I cannot do it without you. Forgive me for going my own way. And today I want to go your way. Help me on this journey. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross in my place so I could have a new life. And a new start. Come into my life. Be my Lord. I follow your lead. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate all those that raised their hand today. So good. A couple of things. Let me know. If you, if you pray that prayer, I would love to give you some next steps. Uh, there's a, a connection card, physical or digital. Uh, let us know you made a decision today. And I'll love to send you a letter just following up some next steps. If you don't have a Bible on the way out, we have some free Bibles. Pick one up. Some of the verses I read, I would encourage you to go read those. Go find them. 
and Timothy and, and uh, the Psalms go, begin to say, God, what do you want to speak to me in, in your word? It's a powerful book. Not just a book, it's a gift that God's given us. And then one more resource we have is 10 Steps Towards Christ. This, this is, following Christ is a spiritual journey. And it's all, it all takes one step after the other. And today that you pray that prayer, that's your first step, saying, God, I want to make things right with you. Next step is water baptism, saying, I want to go public with my faith. I want everybody to know that I'm following Christ. There's other steps that he wants you to take. And if you want to know more about that, pick up a book. It's free, um, a resource to help you on the journey. If you don't have a church, we'd love for you to be a part of our church. Um, if you already have one, man, get plugged in, get involved, go all in. Use your life to make an impact so you leave a good legacy that God will be proud of. Um, but if you don't have a church, join. Be a part of ours. Man, it's a great community to be a part of. Get involved in small groups and see how we can partner with you to encourage you on this journey and help you. If you ever have prayer needs, on that card is a good place to put them also. Let's know and we'll pray with you throughout the week. And uh, we're, just, we're just glad you're here. For all you that raised your hand, that's the best decision you can make in your life is saying, God, I want to get back on track. And God, I want to leave a legacy that, would, that you'd be proud of, that others would be proud of, others would speak well of. And so uh, thank you for raising your hand and having the courage to do that. And just want to encourage you to continue just following God and his lead. You know, as we end our service today, um, it's now an opportunity for us to give in, the, in this uh, Kingdom Builders offering. And so as we give today, um, if you came and you weren't prepared, then no pressure. Give later online. In fact, a lot of you are to do that online. Just put a note there so we know that that's what it was for. Um, if you can't this week, whatever, just plan for it. Uh, but for you that, that came, or maybe in this moment, you say, God, what do you want me to give? How can I respond? Um, one of the great things is we're already more than halfway past our goal. And so we, we know that as we finish strong, we're going to be able to make a great, great impact. So if you want to learn more about Kingdom Builders and what that means, you go to the, our website, thegrovesantafe.com forward slash Kingdom Builders dash or Kingdom dash Builders. And you could uh, you can go see what, what the, these, these different organizations we're giving towards and what we're going to do with this offering and, and learn more about that. And so just thank you for, for being faithful and thank you for saying yes to what God says and leads and um, so if you're a guest, no obligation. Don't feel obligated to give in this offering. This is for those that say, this is my church. I want to see, continue to see God make a difference. And uh, we're grateful for you guys to come today. Let's pray. God, uh, we're so grateful for this opportunity for us to give towards something that's beyond us, God. We pray that the poor would be fed. God, that the kids, Lord God, would be, be taken out of poverty, Lord God. Those women that are trapped, Lord God, in slavery would be rescued. Those kids would be rescued. God, as we give towards these, these causes, God, that you would, you would multiply even what we do, Father God, the, the money we give. And do something great, Lord God. We hear great stories, Lord God, of the field of what they've accomplished, what they're doing, because people come alongside them and help them. And God, just thank you for an amazing church, Lord God, that's generous and looks for opportunities to serve those around them all the time. Let's be a great season, Father God, for us as we, uh, we serve others and, and look for others to help. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray.